0: Hi!
1: Hi! Welcome to TokoCast! Yes! So, who was our guest this time? Our
0: guest this week was Rosie Sullivan, an incredible story oh artist. Yes. She's
1: definitely my favorite. <laughs> uh, right? I've been telling you how much I yes. love her work. She's this incredible storyteller. Okay. And her film, Kit Bull, is definitely one of my favorite short films of the year. And then?
0: It got shortlisted for the the Oscars! Oscars. So we're so happy for Rosie.
1: And then you had that great conversation with her. You got emotional.
0: I did get emotional. So Rosie is a mom of a lovely two-year-old son. And she created KitBull during and after the birth of her son, and I am expecting myself, and so uh, Rosie and I just got into this really great candid conversation of just being a mom in the animation industry. So listen up. Thank you. So welcome to, I don't even know the number of this Tonko cast. It's been, um, yeah, years in the making. I'm here with Rosie Sullivan. Um, Hello. <laughs> and Did introduce Rosie to the listeners is, you know, Rosie and I met at Pixar. 2011? 2011. Yeah, like 2011. And so it's been a long time, years in the making. Uh-huh. But actually, I don't even know if you know this. So Rosie and I have a lot of similarities before we got to Pixar. Oh. So we both, you studied to be a vet uh-huh. at USF. Uh, yes. I studied law at USF I and didn't know that. maybe <laughs> I did I And then we both left and became filmmakers. That's so insane. which is nothing to say bad about USF. I think USF oh. was a great school. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ah, especially especially so. for law, and, but yeah. How did we not know that? What um, year were you? I graduated law school 2008. Oh, so just a year after me. Yeah. Oh my That's gosh. Insane. We could have seen each other on the street. We probably and didn't. Be. know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At Papalote Burritos. Yeah,
1: that's where i all be <laughs> <in> The best.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Awesome. I think I ate burritos every day. Mm-hmm. So then we were both at Pixar around the same time. I started twenty ten. You started twenty eleven. So we were there for, you know, this really interesting time in Pixar's career. And um, and then we worked on Good Dino. Rosie was in Story and I was doing a lot of The Voice. Mm-hmm. So we kind of knew each other from afar. Mm-hmm. And then I left Pixar and Rosie has since gone on to work on Incredibles 2. Iber. Coco. Coco. Most recently wrote and directed Kipple through Spark Shorts. If anybody has not seen it, which I believe nobody in the world has not seen it it has like 36 million views oh thanks for checking I yeah like last time I checked it was just about to get there oh my god it's amazing my um we were watching it last night and my husband was like that's wrong that's it can't be that yeah and we like checked it again so it was yes it's oh confirmed 36 yeah. million views which that's is insane. 36 million it's views. I know it's amazing yeah. and that's not just the people who have seen it because people watch it together yeah so you can like double that oh my god <laughs> <laughs> a billion a billion views yay <laughs> <laughs> the whole world. i don't know if my math is right but then um also rosie wrote a beautiful book mommy Scion, and that came out in this spring right mm-hmm yeah, yeah.
1: both around the same time oh <laughs> my god <laughs> kit Bull and mommy's actually had around the same deadline too <laughs> so, oh my god it was
0: an insane year wow Yeah, that's kind of how life goes though. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When it rains it pours. Oh yeah. More of a you know, I wanna talk personal, obviously, Mm -hmm. but to just begin the interview is let's talk kitbull because, amazing. I can't play favorites to the spark Shorts no, right now. They're all, they're all amazing. They're all amazing. But I love, I'll say I love, love kickball. Thank you. And I actually remember, before I left Pixar, you were showing me like concept art that you were doing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> on the Go goer. Yes! We were riding yes!
1: the bus together.
0: <laughs> and I was, and you were like, yeah, I think I want to do this as like a 2D short. And I was like, yeah. So it was amazing. I got to, yeah, see it in the very, very early stages and then left and then saw it at its final. form. Yeah. So it's incredible. I still can't believe we finished
1: it. (laughs) It's like when you are working on something for so long, it's like, wow, I can't believe it's done.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then it's such a big part of your life, I'm sure, during it. And then you have to put it down and then... So how long was the whole process from Emory Go Round sketches to <laughs> yeah?
1: yeah. Um, I'd say the majority of the process was in story by myself on me um, mm-hmm. with uh, at the time my producer who ended up being the same producer, mm-hmm. short it's Kat Hendrickson. Yeah, she was just sort of like helping me along with deadlines and kind of trying to reach some progression while it was still a co-op at the time. That's oh right, like an independent side project. Of Pixar, yeah that all started in 2013 the very first sketch of the very first
0: kitten oh my god 2013 uh, and now here we are 2019
1: yeah. technically actually it might have even started before that because i painted that kitten on my uh, <laughs> then boyfriend now husband's sister's wall in berlin really <laughs> so <laughs> she's like you better credit me
0: <laughs> so this is
1: her official credit
0: <laughs> is it still there that, it is still there that, yeah still she needs to keep it yes. up there yeah she ever rents that apartment out <laughs> so carve out the wall exactly <laughs> i gotta ask just because knowing that you studied to be a vet was your like love and curiosity for animals did that influence such a beautiful story about animals
1: definitely yeah. Okay. and it definitely start, always started with like my love for just watching animals seeing their behaviors observing mm-hmm. them and being very entertained by them <laughs> cat videos are yeah the glue that holds the internet together and so i had my Full YouTube playlist of them during times of stress <laughs> and struggling hard times on the project that I was on at the time. Yeah. Um, and so just creatively I was feeling pretty uh, stagnant so I just wanted to do something for myself at the moment and that was just you know, just draw this kitten doing funny cat things and see where it goes from there. That's usually how my ideas often started with just like let me play around with this character yeah. or this idea. So there wasn't even a story in the
0: so then when, so it starts with like you drawing this adorable kitten cat, and it's, it, I mean like the animation, you know, is, and you were one of the animators, I correct, did two that? shots,
1: yeah. So I
0: wasn't like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call myself
1: a giant part of the animation mm-hmm. force, but I, I definitely wanted to have at least a couple shots. Yeah. Um, one, because I was hugely inspired by Hayao Miyazaki's um, yes. style of we also anime love a little bit.
0: Oh, do you really? Talk about us, we love Miyazaki.
1: Yes. <laughs> uh, but just this idea of, like, even as an author, I wanted to have a little bit of a thumbprint in the yeah. final version of it. Because as a story artist, your work is never seen by the public. We're yeah. way ahead in the beginning, and your work helps support the final version of the movie, but it's never seen in the final version.
0: Animation is just incredible of the cat. It's <laughs> both part, you know there's like a cartoon element but there's such realistic elements to it what inspired you to take these like sketches and this like stress outlet into telling such a the story is personal yeah yeah and so what kind of led that you know there it's like stress outlet to like personal story like yeah. what is that connection
1: so it's interesting because I didn't expect it to have these multiple layers and mm-hmm. like you said it started as a stress stress outlet then it became like okay what is it how do I connect with this kitten? Well, I was feeling frustrated with, um, at the time not really finding a place of belonging yet on the project I was on and my voice, I felt I was still struggling to find that too. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I I felt like this kitten, which was a stray, was also kind of struggling to find that sense of belonging and and home and connection. And, uh, so I always wanted a dog pit bull in particular to mm-hmm. be the counterpart to it and because it was a pit bull um, you know that had all of the social and societal implications to that it's a very charged to breed and the kitten was always going to be a black kitten because that's also a very um, you know historically <laughs> charged yeah. animal as well and, and so I wanted a story about two uh, misfits societal misfits um, learning to connect with each mm-hmm. other for the first time. Um, because they both needed that, mm-hmm. and uh, over time, you know, as I watched more reference videos to try to really get into the characters, get into what they would, how they would behave, you know, I learned more and more about the plight of pit bulls and how mm-hmm. um, how they're treated and how yeah. uh, a lot of kind of their behavior. You know, they're not a black and white animal. They are. There is, you know, a range of experiences around them, and and so that hence the controversy. So. Um, yeah. As I was learning about them and developing the dog character, I thought, "Wow, this is this could be very metaphorical, even for how we treat each other as humans Mm -hmm. too, Um, and our biases and prejudices, and how we both confirm and also are wrong about them at the same time. There's no always easy answer around it. And so, so as you had, as I was developing this story about these two animals and creatures, I wanted the kitten. Which I always related to. That was to me always going to be the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted it to learn how to overcome its bias, how to overcome the walls that it set up around itself to feel safe in order to be there for the dog. And, and therefore for both of them to have a richer life once they both stepped
0: past that. Oh, God. I'm, I got goosebumps like no. five times during that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's so amazing. Like, I think my favorite part of the short is when the kitten scratches the picture. Oh, really? That's your favorite part? Yeah. <laughs> That's the hardest part, I It find. is the hardest, but it's so, I mean, it's, you know, the audience clearly knows at that moment that he's trying to help mm-hmm. kitten and that it's just pure out of fear and you just don't villainize either of the characters in that moment, which is, I think, just a very hard thing to do, to be able to make the audience feel empathy for both characters and then have no dialogue and also these. Animals. It's just. It's an incredible, and it just hearing you talk about it is amazing. But I have like all these lists of questions that I feel like we're not even going to get to because That's I'm just. Okay. I, got I got nothing for the rest of the morning. So, it's like, how how did you? I mean, it, it is. It's so incredible that you're able to like bring the audience along with this empathy, and again, like more in like this like. Silent new dialogue way, how do you do that? That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's I don't know. And if I were to start
1: over again, I still don't know. <laughs> I think for me, and it's interesting because when we started, when Kat and I actually started working on this, we actually approached Meg, who oh, was still nice. at Pixar, Amazing. because we were like, how the heck are we going to make a 2D short? Yeah. So we're like, hey, Meg, you <laughs> can you tell us how you guys made it? And, and it's funny that, like, it's come full circle that I'm back here at to the Hospital with an interview because she was telling me, and the thing that really was probably the best piece of advice that helped us plan and execute this short was, like, Dice and Robert just sit down with a list of goals. They're like, mm-hmm. okay, oh, we want to finish a film, um, <laughs> eventually. Yes. <laughs> and however long and however much it needs. But, um, but we wanted to fish in the film, we wanted to have that experience for the first time, we wanted it to be a good experience for people working on it, and there's probably, I'm, I'm of course paraphrasing, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's way more that they had, but, but the fact that they just set a list of clear goals for themselves yeah. at the very beginning was, I feel like it helped me get on the right foot, and yeah. um, Cat as well, so... The goal that I set for myself because I had never made a short film before right one was okay finish a film too I got that goal check yeah steal, easier
0: said than done
1: easier said than done yeah. but like that did mean like if it wasn't good at least I hit the goal that I finished something yeah to make myself and hopefully others care about the characters so even if the film wasn't like perfectly consistent in execution maybe there's one part of it that a little bit more animated in other parts that maybe could be like glorified storyboards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, at least if people could have been invested in the characters, mm-hmm. then I will have succeeded in that. And then three, not burn body out, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure people yeah. also were invested, the people who were working on it were invested in it as well. So those are my main goals. Um, so I think as I was going through making this short and the story part was was hard. They, people yes. say story is hell, and I was so ready to be done with it. Yeah. <laughs> once it was editor's hand and production and layouts hands, I was like, thank God, someone else can deal with those problems, and I'll yeah. just decide on them. But but once I was in it, my goal always, and with the crew and with the produ- producing of it, was don't break the spell. We could always, of course, make the scene much more beautiful. We could animate that one out on more frames, like ones, if mm-hmm. you wanted to, but. But the, the goal of not breaking the spell, whatever it is, we don't bring the audience out of the story. That mm-hmm. was what helped me decide, okay, maybe I can compromise mm-hmm. a little bit on this section and
0: then make sure that section is where you put all our money in. That's yeah. the money shot. Yeah. Um, it and helps it helped me prioritize. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's incredible. It's, uh, it's not as celebrated, but when directors can make decisions and like understand why they're making the decisions, it's, it's what gets the project it's yeah. to finish and exactly. to exactly
1: and and, and also I, directing a team whereas before I, and I've just been working on my own on this mm-hmm. story for so long was mm-hmm. essential mm-hmm. in making this movie better than anything I could have done on my own because I relied on my editor to mm-hmm. give me that objective, like, you don't need this. Let's cut it out. Yeah. <laughs> no, I drew that and I loved it. Okay, I guess I don't need it. But wait, it's now only eight minutes long. As almost to 18 minutes long. <laughs> and then, you know, every person oh. on the crew had great yeah. ideas. And that also was what shaped and brought a lot more nuance and kind yeah. of freshness to the short, which just. Oh my gosh,
0: yeah. yeah. And you're in story for so long and then you're like, oh, wait... Now I have to. Now I'm. It's a team effort. Now it's not just solo. So I want to talk about for our listeners, since this is audio. Rosie is a mother of a two-year-old son. How old is Otto now, exactly? He is twenty-eight months. Twenty-eight months. Two years and four months. (laughs) So almost two and a half.
1: Someone yesterday asked me, "When do you stop counting their age in months?" (laughs) Never.
0: He's still a baby (laughs) to (laughs) me. Totally. Yeah. I'm still in weeks, but yeah. yeah. And then I'm um, pregnant with a son. So, yay. So I'm about six months pregnant. You know, I was really excited that Rosie was coming on, obviously, for Bowl and, you know, you're head of story um, at Pixar right now, and you're doing all this incredible stuff and an author and illustrator of a you know beautiful children's book. So for all those reasons, I was, of course, excited to have Rosie and talk about her art. Um, but at the same time, I think that right now in our climate, you know, we're talking so much about women in animation and these conversations are incredible, but we don't talk a lot about mothers in animation. And I think that that's, you know, a big part of being a woman is even if you don't have kids, there's always the thought of, do I want this? And Mm -hmm. what does that mean to my career? And it's, it's prevalent whether or not you end up having kids. And so I just wanted to talk about dive in and talk about just being a mother in animation you know one of the I've been surprised so much by pregnancy there's like surprises oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, I didn't know my body could grow like this much (laughs) yeah or I didn't know my body could make that sound you know (laughs) Um, so uh yeah there's a lot of surprises in pregnancy um but and one of them that I really was just amazed by was this like confidence that I've gotten in myself. You're doing some pretty incredible stuff when you're pregnant and you're growing bones and you're carrying yes. a child and yeah. And it's, it's incredible. And I didn't, until I became pregnant, I did not understand that. It's just, it's such this source of strength for me, like Fuck yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> I can, this is a superpower. Yes. Think, yes. Yeah. I can't describe it as anything but like, holy shit. I am like growing a human mm-hmm. and I and kind life of- life
1: is being formed right now.
0: And it's just, it's, it flat, it's just, it's, it's amazing to be a part of it. And it also has, I was telling Anna, our editor before this, I was like, do other people know that this is what women do? Like- <laughs> <laughs> like do they know like this is incredible and it's just it's truly this
1: like I've just you kind of feel like this weird harmony with the universe
0: you're like oh yes absolutely biology yes <laughs> it's very primal and yeah. um it's also something that like you said, harmony with the universe, but also harmony with people around you. And it has made me connect more to people and anybody has, yeah. it's really like brings you all to the same level. And then, but also it's just, it's this huge source of strength for me. Like when I'm doing something either tough or if I'm doing something that's like, I'm succeed at, I kind of have this moment where I'm like, by the way, I'm also growing a human. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and ain't no small feet mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. except for inside your belly. Button,
0: oh so. yeah. <laughs> but they don't feel small right now. So that's <laughs> what's kicking. But, um, yeah. So I just wanted to just celebrate that, like take this moment and celebrate it. I think paternity leave and all of that is really at its infancy to like it's just starting to, like, not even be considered an inconvenience. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think it's that far along. It's still this, like, you know, you still have to take time off work, and Mm -hmm. it's this, you know, burden, I think, or it's viewed as that. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, I'm just going through it now. I'm like, no, 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 this is a source of strength. This is, like, I am so much better now than I was four months ago. Yeah. So, yeah, so I just... I want to say that and just talk about how motherhood, because you had Otto during...
1: Uh, Before the Spark Short was made, but during this process of being developed and same with the book as well.
0: Yeah, but still even raising, you know, a young son. Yeah. um, And just how motherhood has influenced you as an artist in this whole process and... Yeah. yeah, So I don't have a specific question. Just no, like, it's, it's, that is a, talk. a yeah. an
1: entire umbrella of questions. Yeah. <laughs> How does mother have uh, yeah. the, the filmmaking process, the artistic, artistic process. process, the process of just working in a collaborative environment no matter what role you are in? And I'm very fortunate right now actually to be working with a lot of parents, mothers, and fathers, and mm-hmm. people who are uh, like both fathers or both mothers of like, the same-sex couple. And it's, it's a very humbling, but also connecting experience too. And I'm not that's not to say that people who don't have children or can't have children mm-hmm. can't also connect into that feeling. But for me personally, at least, it was something where it, like, it just unlocked a different part of my brain that I didn't know I had, which was just a different perspective that I didn't realize um, I had until I was forced to considered this little tiny potato <laughs> that was so dependent on me and I was so dependent on him too, mm-hmm. honestly, like just emotionally and and everything. So the very meta level it's it's like the most humbling experience I can I have had so far. Mm-hmm. And being that close to just seeing life and growth and awareness and curiosity and mm-hmm. seeing a little person, a little human, little baby become like more develop more into a person and seeing that personality come out is mm-hmm. it's just like i feel like a little nature documentary you know <laughs> just watching the, the the primordial soup of life and yeah. seeing it evolved it's it's like yeah. it's intensely fascinating um, but it's also like part of the humbling is also the the hard work and the struggle and that came out of it too like the sacrifice mm-hmm. life is different but it's not Completely different. Like, we still got to go out. I, every now and then, I still had a hangover the next morning.
0: <laughs> mama, Mama had to treat herself sometimes and go out with yeah, some friends. Yeah, and get to drink for nine months. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah so.
1: Um. So you, I, I made it work still to, because mm-hmm. that was one of my priorities, too, was just, like, to, to still balance me and keep that part of myself before my son came into mm-hmm. the world that um, that I knew would be important to my creative evolution mm-hmm. um, or creative independence I should say so yeah it's it was harder because you just don't have as much time anymore like yeah especially in the very early yeah. days I, I called it baby jail <laughs> I'm like you're hungry again <laughs> yeah. what yeah. Um, and but because of that because you don't have as much as much time and funny enough it was during the making of Kid Bowl and during the making of this book that it really forced me to change how I work
0: yeah um,
1: i I had to be way more efficient by like a thousand percent. and that really I think that was also essential in directing a short film. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to live with my decisions because I just didn't have time to hem and haw and and I think that that was really good.
0: I totally hear the your days are just shorter. There's less hours in the day. Mm-hmm.
1: And less energy, too, that you have. Yeah,
0: exactly. So the quantity of time. But at the same time, that doesn't necessarily equal less work getting done.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah. In fact, it was probably more work than if if I were to really look at the Mm -hmm. efficiency and productivity of pre-auto versus post-auto. Technically, objectively, I was more productive after.
0: Um, Yes. Because... Yeah. No qualifiers. Like, yes, I you have, have done up. an amazing amount of work <laughs> in the last two years. With yeah. so, yes. a ton of help.
1: I will acknowledge that. Like, of course. And that's the other thing. Is I, yeah. You know, my mentality was, oh, I could do it all on my own. And maybe before the spark story happened, I, was, I did have a mentality. I was like, well, if I can't find any animators, I'll just animate the whole thing on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to rely on people because mm-hmm. I, I was more limited. And that, that did make me a better director. Because it forced me to have yeah. to communicate and articulate what I needed, was much less apt to do that in the past.
0: Yes, that's uh, yes. I dropped a notebook yesterday, and I was like, that thing is stained down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unless I ask for someone to pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> that thing's just gonna
1: stain. Otherwise, down. you need to squat walk Yeah, yeah. Like, right. I get it. Otherwise, I'll it's five minutes
0: my of my day <laughs> to get of look like. Um, yeah, so definitely the asking for help is, uh, is real and constant. Again, just is such a positive consequence of going through something like this where there's no, like, you can't say, oh, there's an alternative. There's just no right. alternative. No that notebook is staying on the floor. Yeah. it. <laughs> <And> I can <laughs> read, it. I can it. read yeah. it from here. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then, God, that's... Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah,
1: but the, you know, the big part of the struggle too, and mm-hmm. was going back to work. Like mm-hmm. it's funny during my maternity leave, there is a moment where I'm like, this is really hard, and I'm really lonely, and I miss not talking, like maybe mm-hmm. talking 24 um, seven. And I love my son so much, but there was a part of me that I missed too, um, mm-hmm. that freedom, that flexibility, that spontaneity that I just didn't have as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but once I started going back to work and I had more of that, a little bit more of that flexibility, or at least me time, mm-hmm. I extremely, extremely missed my son. <laughs> and so yes. there was always this push and pull that I felt. And I think if I were in a less fulfilling job or doing something less fulfilling, it would be even more of a struggle. Yeah. Um, or no, because it was it was more of a struggle because I felt like strong in both ways.
0: Yeah. Um, I get that. My, my big thing, you know, looking ahead is the animation industry and the film industry and just being in a creative industry is it's not a nine to five job. Mm-hmm. You're not, you know, you don't clock out at five. And first off, nobody's clocking out at five. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but like you don't clock out and then it's you can kind of turn that. Part of your brain off, and so yeah, the big question that I'm asking myself is like, how much time do I need to be able to dedicate myself to this job in a way that I, you know, or be able to get that balance? And I think that that's for me, it's like an unknown right now, I'm not in it, but yeah, how did you and I don't want to say how did you strike that balance because it's not like ever perfect, it's always organic. How did motherhood and creativity and just being an artist how did they like intertwine yes yeah it was a delicate not
1: delicate dance but i mean on one hand i feel like i was in a very lucky position to be in a position where i could determine my schedule to some degree Mm -hmm. Uh, being in a a director role like the whole production depends on your schedule to some degree so i was able to carve out that time ask for that time that i needed to -hmm. pump to um, leave when I needed to pick up. Right, if you have to here. go
0: pump, review is on pause. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> like, reviews are around the pumping. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But that didn't mean you have to run back and forth a lot more to the bathroom to clean everything. <laughs> yes, yes, um, yes. <laughs> uh, but I was able to carve out that time that I needed and keep it disciplined mm-hmm. um, for the show, but for also for myself. Um, But I I can't say it was the same for all mothers. I know there were those who, before me, um, had children and did have a harder time on the shows because maybe they didn't have as much support. They weren't Mm -hmm. working with people who would have understood, for instance, because those people might not have been parents. Mm -hmm. So I was... And not to say that people who aren't parents can't be supportive and understanding. It's just Mm -hmm. that sometimes it's really about the people that you're working with Mm -hmm. and how understanding... um, Mm -hmm flexible they are yeah and, um but it was also like I had to really and myself understand what I wanted and what I needed and mm-hmm. there could have been a potential of me being like okay you know what I'm going to put more effort and energy into this job and you know my son can be in daycare a little bit longer or my mm-hmm. husband can do more of the pickups and mm-hmm. um, and he did a lot of for me so he was a huge base of support. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Which is amazing yeah. to have that
1: as or, well. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, to um, enable. Yeah, the whole time I was like, how do single, mother, how do single parents do this? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Also, it was like, I, I also could have been like, you know, maybe I don't need to pump. Maybe I just skip that so I could mm-hmm. go meeting. And then my body would be like, no! Nah! <laughs> pump now!
0: Exactly. Uh, so it was being
1: disciplined up front about what I needed.
0: Yeah. And being able to mm-hmm. say, okay,
1: this is enough. I mean, that's that's incredible. It is, yeah.
0: It is. We had um, Meg came in as almost two years ago, a year Mm -hmm. and a half ago. And, you know, she was the first mother in leadership, in a leadership role at Claus, And she was very like, I have to leave at 5 p.m. every day to pick up Maeve. Mm -hmm. And every day at 5 p.m., she was true to her word and she was leaving. And it was this incredible moment in Tonko House where it it was like and we would be having a meeting and she's like "All right, 5pm and it was just this incredible way of like showing us how non-negotiable it was but how we everybody rallied behind it and was like we became more efficient during that time period yeah and I don't think that there is a single negative aspect of that where it's like, no, Tonko House just became more organized, and we yeah. were forced to like, we can't go until eight pm, or we, you know, um, we didn't have this nebulous these nebulous hours because it's yeah. just, it is what it is, and it's just it's the structure of it. Yeah. I think is, which is such a gift. Yeah, which is
1: interesting that like, yeah. I don't know if that was ever thought about in the industry before. Maybe there were just weren't enough mothers in leadership for a mm-hmm. long time. But once there were, like Meg and mm-hmm. other people who like had these strong limitations, and not just mothers, you know, fathers who also probably had to take care of young children exactly, had to leave yeah. early, um, there was never a question for a long time of, like, could there be a better way? Could we work within strict limitations? And once that started to be proven, now people are like, wait, why don't we just do that? Right.
0: And it's actually, it's opened up, in Meg doing that, it's opened up, a better work-life balance for everybody, like for fathers and for mm-hmm. mothers and for non-parents. And mm-hmm. um, it's again, just this, I just see it as such this positive yeah. consequence that unfortunately just can't be quantified, yeah. you know? Um, so you said, you talked about like working within limitations and uh, trusting your gut. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Eric, oh, talked about during the Keeper poems because we had a very very short production schedule, um, and he was like, there, there was no option B. Like I had to go through option A. Like, mm-hmm, can mm-hmm. you talk about, just that whole process? Like, <laughs> all right, this is <laughs> my instinct, and this is what we're going with. Yeah, um, I
1: I feel like I was. It's funny a lot of people are like, oh, how did you have that story so ready in the beginning it's like well yeah. it's because i was developing it for a long time and I, <laughs> I knew myself my working process which is i need to ruminate on something and i need to go through all the avenues and options and i was i felt lucky enough to have had that chance because mm-hmm. kit bull was developed for so long on my own mm-hmm. that by the time they said okay we're pressing start go make this by the end of six months mm-hmm.
0: um, six months was your production timeline yeah for eight minutes yeah
1: but like I said, I went through <laughs> every option in the world for the story. So yeah. by, the, by the time we started, I had a cut, like a edited version of the short okay. that uh, my editor fortunately was able to do in a short amount of time. So so yeah, yeah. We, uh, we, I felt prepared mm-hmm. when I started. So that for me was the key to my success, mm. I think, on this show. And um, so yeah, I feel like if you are in a position to have to check your gut, I feel. Whatever you can do to prepare yourself to get yourself to a, a like more or less solid foundation, mm-hmm. um, that is knowing what you want. Mm-hmm. Then it is about okay. My gut is just gonna help me with this compass, you know. Mm-hmm. But as long as you have a compass in the very beginning, yeah, I think that's that's how you can more securely trust your gut.
0: So you talked about these goals that you guys outlined in the beginning. Was that like your compass? Was it? Because some of you know the goals of not losing the spell. Yeah, that's not like this specific. Like, right, it's not like so, a concrete. Right. Know. So how did that, you know, look throughout the process?
1: Um, well, it's interesting. Even starting back in story, even mm-hmm. with our first cut, it wasn't the final version of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, there was still like, eight three minutes too long in the boards, mm-hmm. and we were trying to cut it down to a six minute reel. Mm. Um, And and the third act was very different. They were escaping out of a garage, for Mm -hmm. instance. And and at some point, I was was screening the reels to peers and people like my own personal brain trust. Mm -hmm. And at some point, um, Kristen Lester, who directed Pearl, uh, she always had very, very, like, Mm gets-right-to-the-point judgment. Um, Mm -hmm. And she asked me, Rosie, like, There's a lot of great stuff in here, a lot of great ingredients, but I'm not getting what it is that's so resonant for you, like why you're telling this story, Mm -hmm. and I had a hard think of that, (laughs) you know, I really reflected, and thought, okay, well, this story is, like, the reason why I'm telling this is because I, as a kid, had trouble connecting to others, it was very sensitive, very shy, very easily hurt, uh, Mm -hmm. like, just by every little thing Mm -hmm. was very hard to cope with, and... Eventually, the, the loneliness got too much, so I, I had to force myself to uh, be vulnerable and reach out and kind of go step beyond my wall mm-hmm. to make a connection with other people. And, and when I came to that realization was, even though it was already always there in the DNA of the story, mm-hmm. I wasn't able to articulate until after Kristen asked me that question. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I had that, I was like, oh, in order to make a connection, like a real connection, you have to take the risk to be vulnerable. Um, that's, when I was able to articulate that premise, um, that was able to be the compass for everything else down the road. That was able to be the compass of like, okay, is, are we getting that theme out in this moment of the story or in this mm-hmm. acting
0: here? It's beautiful. Thank you. And you did. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. You achieved the compass. <laughs> and that, that
1: also then helped me shave off three minutes of complexity and time. Right. Because what was originally going to be this epic escape action sequence yeah. um, where the kitten goes and saves the dog and they escape out of the garage and the cops come and people mm-hmm. are fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized it wasn't about the kitten learning to be brave and externally save a dog. It was about the kitten learning to be vulnerable. And that's Mm -hmm. where it became this—the third act climax of Mm -hmm. the short became the kitten going into the dog's crate for the first
0: Mm
1: -hmm. time. Yes. So I just want to
0: keep watching it every time you're talking about it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch it.
1: And so it was a quieter climax Mm -hmm. uh, that I I didn't reach until that question. So there, there had to be some room for epiphany,
0: I guess. Mm -hmm. Right. And so (laughs) where in the process was that moment? That epiphany. Yeah. Pretty early on, I'd
1: say probably. A couple of months. Great. Which is so very convenient because I'm yes. like, I have to make this thing. Right. And
0: also, being doing a 2D production is the changes down the pipe in a 2D production are uh, hard. Yeah. Yeah. The cement dries much faster. Yes. <laughs> Perfectly put. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, as you know, Chris and I are working on our 2D production, it's like everything that you guys are, that you and Kat and your team set up is just. I know you're on the other side of it, but I'm just looking at it with just such admiration, like, oh my gosh, how do we do it? But I know when you were probably in it, it didn't feel so together. I hope this comes together. I hope people like it. I hope the crew (laughs) likes it, because I have no idea. It's pretty good. No, it's amazing. Um, Let's talk about your book. So I have not gotten to read the book, but I read this synopsis (laughs) yesterday. Yeah. And halfway through the synopsis, I started
1: crying. Oh no, Harvey, I'm
0: sorry. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And then I was like, oh God, pull it together. No, so then I would go back to the beginning of the synopsis and I would I was like, I have to toughen up for Rosie. No,
1: no, no, no. That's, this is part of the, I, I will say, I think this is part of the pregnancy too and even post-pregnancy. I couldn't sing certain songs without bawling. It's so,
0: it is, it's amazing. Um, to tap into that emotion <laughs> right now. It's like being high. It's a great it feeling. Like I love it. <laughs> I know. And then eating croissants is yes. also a feeling I get like again once. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So the book is about a mother and a daughter mm-hmm. relationship. And um, just in the spirit of talking about you know, motherhood with artistry, is, can you just... Kind of fill us in on the inspiration of the book and also just your process of, I don't know, I just, I'm like amazed that you did this and then Kipple at the Uh-oh, same yeah. time. And it's, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, don't think I could do that again. Let me okay. just say that. Was, you I'm say like, that, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, at least but, one project at a time would be nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, can you talk about just the premise of the story and the inspiration of it? Yeah, so this,
1: this is like, very very
0: personal story I mean Kimball was came to
1: a personal place and started from like a personal motivation but um, but this is the more literally personal um, or at least kind of overtly personal story mm-hmm. even though it's set in Malaysia and I never lived there I did go back and visit mm-hmm. at family my mom is from Malaysia um, and it's uh, our family is Muslim so mm-hmm. Hesh, the, the mother character is, has a hijab on. Mm-hmm. And wears traditional clothing from Malaysia. Um, the book, the, the story in general, was, was based on my mother's and my relationship when I was around this age of the main girl character, whose name is Aliyah, and she's around eight, eight, nine years old in the story. And um, just for full disclosure, uh, when I was around that age, my mother was diagnosed with a mental illness, um, a permanent chronic mental illness. And It was really hard for me to mm-hmm. grapple with that as a child, and
0: yeah. for my a whole young family, child. and for yeah. my
1: mom especially. And so, uh, I wanted—I've always had this story in me of wanting mm-hmm. to, in what some form, one or another, whether mm-hmm. a graphic novel, feature, short film. Um, but then I uh, applied. I tried, I figured, you know, Pixar Artist Showcase. This is a program at Pixar um, that. Kind of like the Spark Shorts program was mm-hmm. trying to find diverse voices and, and people who normally didn't have the outlet to create their feature. It was an outlet for people to um, pitch an idea for a short children's book. Mm. And so I applied um, uh, with something close to this, and they accepted it uh, that based on an outline,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: like a pitch packet. And, uh, and so I was, as I was making this, I realized, okay, I need to tell this story. This story of my mother and me, mm-hmm. and I wanted it to be a story of hope, mm-hmm. um, but also tapping into that confusion and that sense of loss and grief of mm-hmm. what was a former version of our relationship, mm-hmm. and and then finding strength as a child um, mm-hmm. with how to cope with the change in that relationship, and so uh, the story ultimately became about a little girl who is super close to her mother, attached to him. Um, but then one day her mother is sick and you don't know why in the story you just know she's sick and she can't be with her daughter and the daughter is really sad and she um, she kind of withdraws and her aunties try to get her to come out and go walking but she the girl just wants to kind of stay in one place and, and grieve that uh, that time that she was with her mom can't happen right now but then she she kind of realizes she remembers something uh, that she and her mom shared they have a little dream uh, in her dreams, she and her mom are tumbling around in flower fields and they sit under a giant, sit under a giant hibiscus flower, and that's her mother's favorite flower, Susie Watterson. Mm-hmm. And, and then she gets an idea that, oh, if I go up to my mom and I give her a little hibiscus flower and tell her, you know, no matter what, I'll always love you and I'll be here by your the side.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, then that's all she kind of needed to do. And then mother,
0: little by little gets back at the end. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Yeah, surprised. so that was yeah. the moment. Right. I'm sorry. I'm I have to go there with you. That's no other It's Yeah, it's no shame. Um, so, well, thank, thank you for, you know, telling the story on this Tonko cast, but also in this book. Um, I think also just more stories of milk till illness. I think you're very valid and important to tell. And I want to ask... Um, how has being a mommy yourself, how did that influence this story? Because it's such an adventure to take, you know, such a huge moment or feeling and distill it down into a story that actually works.
1: Yeah, maybe even. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Hopefully it works. Uh,
0: yeah. But is there something that, I, I don't want to put words in mouth? but was there like a clarity? And did you write this when you were a when you had auto after auto uh, yeah, okay. I did. Yeah. What was it like writing your new mother, but you're writing a story about being a child to a mother? What yeah. was that experience? It like, was
1: it was very interesting. I'd say because it was happening during Kibble, it was also like a
0: how do I even write this and how do I have the
1: time to write this? Oh yeah. my gosh, um, I'd say it was it was it was hard for sure, um, but. It's interesting because I I think I was focusing a lot on like my own experience and and the memories and and, um, kind of pain, but also hope and and all the feelings basically that I went through thinking back to my experience with this. Um, And therefore, Otto wasn't playing a huge uh, role on that. It was almost more like my own kind of self-therapy or Mm -hmm. uh, finding closure with that experience. Uh, but eventually, as you know, struggling with balancing everything, I also came to realize and have even more empathy, a deeper sense of empathy for what my mom went through mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what all that she struggled with. Mm-hmm. And like, one, just struggling with your health, mm-hmm. but uh, she was an immigrant and all of her family was in Malaysia. And so there must have been, and she came to the U.S. She had never left Malaysia mm. until she married my dad and came to the U.S. and had my brother and me, an older brother of mine. Um, and so the insecurity she must have felt, uh, the completely fish out of water feeling. And, and she's like such a bubbly person. Like you, <laughs> you look at her, it's like, oh, she had never had any problem fitting in anywhere. But, mm. but still there's like a, a sense of loneliness you must have felt when you're feeling being so far away from your family and struggling to find how you fit in in a new culture. Um, and, and so going through my maternity leave and learning how to care for a child and being a parent for the first time, I really appreciated, um, how hard it must have been for her to, to raise us. Um, yeah. and so I had a, a deeper appreciation for my mom when making this book. <laughs> um, I was hoping that maybe this could be like a thank you to her. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Sorry, Courtney. I got you No, <laughs>
0: oh, well, it's fine. Well, it's a very, very beautiful thank you. Yeah. And you're lucky um, to have the talent and the skills to tell it too. Um, well, thank you. I want to end on that beautiful note because I'm... Uh, halfway to tears right now. No. <laughs> it's okay. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's, okay. It's, good. it's great. It feels good to <laughs> cry. <laughs> um, but yeah, is there? I just I wanted to just ask: Is there anything like you wish I asked? Like, what do you want to end this? Con- how to conclude this Tonko Cast? Oh, well, I know I mean, it's a hard question. I not, keep giving you these like open-ended. No, I mean, I'm
1: very grateful that you reached out and are taking this time, because I know you guys are very busy, so, and you've got a lot going on, so I really appreciate, um, you know, your curiosity and and connecting about this, and I, I also just, the theme of it is not talked about enough, and I feel like the industry really does need to change if they want more diverse voices, more women in film and leadership, and um, and more female stories mm-hmm. we need to accommodate a more flexible and uh, female friendly or parent friendly livelihood. and I do think the industry and in the films will get better as a result of that uh, the mm-hmm. industry just needs to take that leap of faith to right. and, and not always think of the bottom line um, but, uh, but as far as just like storytelling uh, what I've learned from all of this and also being a parent, um, I feel like the more the more we can come back to like why is it that we're telling these stories? And what is it from our personal experience and our life experiences drive each idea that we develop, each story that we develop? Uh, I think that's the more we can be honest with that, mm-hmm. uh, and the more we can connect with audiences. Yeah.
0: And other mothers and babies. <laughs> thank you so much, Rosie, and thank, thank you, you for Rosie. listening. Thank you, Tonko House. <laughs> All right, cool. we'll talk to you later. I don't know how to sign off on this. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye.